It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening, for subscribing. If you haven't already subscribed, it's very easy to do. Just click the subscribe button right now. If you're listening on your smartphone or tablet, uh, or if you are at the Pete Callender Show, click subscribe, and then it comes right to your smartphone or tablet. You can also become a patron to the program by going to thepetecallendershow.com, clicking on the link that's at the top. It says exclusive content for patrons, and you get exclusive content. It's true. Um, patrons, like... W.C., Caddy, uh, David, Mark, Lair, Krista, Sam, Paul, Dustin. Thanks so much for all of your support. Couldn't do the show without you guys. Uh, and uh, looking forward to the live streams that we do uh, every Thursday night. They also get swag. They get stickers because I wouldn't be a radio guy if I wasn't giving out swag. It's kind of what radio people do <laughs> always. Um, and this is what General Equipment Rental does. They just happen to rent you the best equipment for great prices so you get the job done quickly and correctly. Fewer hassles, fewer headaches. If you are a uh, contractor and uh, you need a tool just for, you know, or a piece of equipment just for one job, this is the answer. Uh, why buy a piece of equipment for one job every two or three years, right? Just rent it from General Equipment Rental. They are located in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. They are also, by the way, your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. And what that means is, they know the equipment. They know Honda. They know Husqvarna. They go through training, right? They get all the updates on the new changes. So they can actually tell you what the difference is between models and between models from year to year. So head on over there, get their advice, and get your next tool, your yard equipment, if you're a residential or you know commercial contractor, get your next piece of equipment from General Equipment Rental. And they're the service provider, so if anything ever needs to be repaired on it or you need uh, just sort of a, a tune-up to it, you bring it back there. They know the equipment. Everything from generators to tillers to chainsaws to uh, to mowers, both you know residential and, and commercial grade, gas or, or uh, battery powered, go to General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com. Tell them you heard it here on the show, General Equipment Rental in Weaverville, generalrents.com, and think outside your toolbox. All right, so the next political war, the next big political war that is brewing is redistricting. That's the headline, at least, at Axios.com in a piece by Steph Kite. Democrats are preparing a mix of tech and legal strategies to combat expected gerrymandering by Republicans. Because only Republicans gerrymander. <laughs> Democrats don't. You see, um, but Republicans, they're planning to go on legal offense as well. You notice the difference the way Axios writes that it's got yeah, Democrats are preparing different strategies to combat these aggressive actions by Republicans. Right. But Republicans, they're also looking to go on legal offense as well. Well, wait a minute. Do you just frame the Democrats as playing defense? So wouldn't the Republicans automatically be on offense? I didn't think it was possible, but Axios found a way to frame this as Republicans pounce and Republicans pounce, like two in one sentence. It's impressive. Uh, you got you to tip your hat to them. So why it matters, they say. 
because they write this in the form of like explanatory journalism. So they give you the why it matters. Well, Democrats failed to regain a single state legislature on Election Day, while Republicans upped their control to 30 states, houses and senates. Oh, so in other words, people chose Republicans. <laughs> I love how they again, they say, oh, the, the Democrats just failed to regain these things to regain them. Right. Because they lost them. It's theirs. They lost them and they're trying to find them again. They're trying to regain them. And those Republicans, they somehow upped control, right, by having people vote for them. (laughs) In the majority of states, legislatures drew new congressional district lines, uh, or they draw them rather, which can boost a party's candidates for the next decade. So redistricting, uh, and I, I try to make this as non-eyes glazing over as possible, which is every 10 years we do the census. The census determines, uh, you know, the population of each state, and then the population determines how many uh, members of the House we get. Because remember, the Senate, we all get two seats. Every state gets two seats uh, because that's federalism. They were originally appointed by state legislatures. The Senate is supposed to represent the interests of the states at the federal level. Although thanks to the progressive era, 100 years ago, they turned those into popular votes. And when that happened now, the senators are basically, uh, you know, just uh, representatives of uh, the the citizens. And uh, it's kind of a messed up system now. But anyway, I digress. Point is, the House, with 435 members, the House has uh, an equal number of people in each district in each state. And so when you, do, you take the, the census count, you divide up the population among all the states and all the districts, and you reapportion. You reapportion. So this is why, for example, North Carolina keeps adding more seats to its delegation. Because when I first started, gosh, 20 years ago, we had nine. I think that was, or no, I'm sorry, we had 11, right? We had 11. Because the, yeah, now we're up to 13. We have 13 seats in the state. We're about to pick up a 14th because people keep moving here. And Utah, I uh, remember we're always sort of in a battle with Utah. They keep picking up a seat here and there. Uh, Texas and Florida, they picked up seats. And uh, this time around, California is fixing to lose a seat for the first time ever because uh, people are moving out and you've got greater populations Uh, or growth in uh, populations in other states. New York State has been losing congressional seats. And this is very concerning to a lot of um, a lot of these blue staters because and lawmakers, because that means they lose influence in the House of Representatives. Right. So redistricting experts and advocates are especially concerned about political gerrymandering this year, given the 2019 Supreme Court ruling that blocks politics-based gerrymandering lawsuits from federal courts. And by the way, you can thank uh, the Democrats suing North Carolina for this, (laughs) because this is, they kept suing and saying, you can't use partisan uh, identification, you can't draw partisan gerrymandering, you can't draw partisan-based districts, right? This was the point of the lawsuits. They didn't want, the Democrats, well, they want to be able to use the information when they draw maps. They don't want Republicans using the information when they draw maps. So, they sued. And what the federal court, uh, the Supreme Court rather said was, uh, this is not up to us. This is state 
level stuff and look to your own state constitutions. And that's when the Democrats sued in state court and that they got our maps thrown out that way. Anyway, um, quote, I think this is going to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest fight of the next cycle, said Kelly Ward Burton, the president of the National Democratic Redistricting Committee, which, okay, if you're the president of the National Democratic Redistricting Committee, I think you kind of have to say that what you're working on is going to be the biggest political fight of the next cycle. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> Otherwise, like, what are, what are you doing this job for? Why are we paying you? Okay, so what to watch? The expected flashpoints are the battleground states of Florida, Texas, North Carolina, and Georgia, where Democrats failed to gain any control over redistricting. For Again, they failed to gain control. You notice that they failed to... Okay. For their part, Republicans will be ready to sue Democrats in states where they control redistricting. Not gerrymandering, remember. Democrats don't gerrymander people. They just redistrict, giving themselves an advantage because that's what voters want. Particularly Oregon, Nevada, New Mexico. Uh, this is where Republicans are going to be focusing their efforts on... Uh, on attacking Democrat gerrymanders. Democrats have built new, sophisticated mapping technologies, and Republicans have been working on a 50-state redistricting database to help them identify their best tactics. Democrats have had people on the ground in nine states for over a year, training state lawmakers and building out grassroots campaigns. So keep that in mind, folks, when we start seeing people at the legislative building this, uh, uh, this summer and they're like, you know, fair maps, we want them, when do we want them now? Like, that's going to be grassroots activism fostered and organized by Democrats. Democrats already have a large attorney, uh, a large network, rather, of attorneys and organizations on their side. This from the last decade of lawsuits that they have been filing, right? So this is... They've already got the infrastructure because they've been waging this war for a decade already, which, by the way, that's almost as long as I've owned uh, my bed from Mattress Man. It's about a decade ago. Christy and I got our king-size memory foam mattress from Mattress Man. Truth be told, when we get into our new house later this year, Christy and I are looking at uh, upgrading our mattress. We're looking to get another bed. So uh, we are constantly watching for the sales. And right now, by the way, the President's Day sale has been extended at Mattress Man, uh, which means what? It means you can score a free box spring with the purchase of a Biltmore mattress, or how about a free adjustable base with the purchase of other select mattresses? So you're talking zero gravity settings, wireless remotes, head and feet adjustments. Um, the, the Biltmore mattress collection, by the way, made by Restonic in Fayetteville. These are luxurious mattresses that are at the hotel in the in on the grounds of the Biltmore estate. Okay. So uh, if you want that kind of luxury in your bedroom, head on over to Mattress Man. You can get the Biltmore collection exclusively at Mattress Man stores, mattressmanstores.com. Uh, they've got four stores in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They do ship nationwide. Let the sleep consultants help you find the right bed for you because everybody sleeps differently, right? Different positions mean different pressure points, which means you're going to benefit from a different kind of mattress than somebody else. They have five-star local delivery service. They have a 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. So the New York Times also has a story on the redistricting fight that is looming here. Um, Republicans hold total control of redistricting uh, in 18 states, they say, including North Carolina, but also Florida and Texas. So 18 states. North Carolina or 18 states, Republicans have redistricting control because they control the legislative chambers. 
Um, these are states also that are growing in population, and all three of those states, Florida, Texas, and us, North Carolina, are expected to pick up seats after this 2020 census is tabulated. Some election experts believe that the GOP could retake the House in 2022 based solely on the gains from newly drawn districts. Already, the GOP is discussing redrawing two suburban Atlanta districts that have been held by Democrats to make one of them more Republican-leaning. Slicing Democratic sections out of a Houston district that Republicans lost in 2018 uh, is also on the table, as well as carving up a uh, a district in northeastern Ohio that Democrats have held since 1985. Quote, this is Samuel S. Wang, the director of the Princeton Gerrymandering Project. Quote, I would say that the national vote could be the same as this year, two years from now, and redistricting by itself would easily be enough to alter who controls the chambers. He estimated that reapportionment alone could, that means the, uh, you know, uh, the growth, the, the census taking into account population growth, reapportioning the seats. So North Carolina picking up uh, an additional congressional seat will have 14 districts at that point, uh, you know, in Texas and Florida getting other seats that reapportionment alone could give the Republicans three seats. That's so just three. So just because of the population shifts, Republicans could pick up three seats and gerrymandering, he says, in North Carolina, Georgia and Florida could yield another uh, five seats for a total of eight seats that Republicans could easily uh, pick up without even running an election, basically, before you even start voting. Um, of course, uh, Democrats are also going to try to redraw districts in their favorite states like New York. Illinois, and Maryland. Some battleground states have adopted nonpartisan independent redistricting commissions, and President Biden did not create a wave of down-ballot victories for Democrats in the last election. So there are going to be fewer surprise winners from that election cycle who could easily lose their seats in 2022. This is one of the things that nobody ever takes into account when you're talking about the the redistricting efforts and the, and and these wave elections and such is like you still have to run the races and the candidates do matter and uh you end up with some of these seats that get won by a particular candidate uh in a race but uh, you know, in an election wave, I should say, but uh, you've then created the opportunity in the next cycle for them to lose. And so if you're only citing, well, they lost that seat, you're only citing that loss in your evidence for why this is, you know, illegal gerrymandering, you have to go back to the previous election cycle where they did well, where there was like a candidate like Obama, for example, this was a great example, that Obama had impact right? Obama had impact on other seats and he pushed other people. I'm not saying it was a positive impact. It was a, right, he pushed Democrats out of their seats and Republicans ended up winning a lot of those seats. So it's, you can't look at a single election cycle alone. And I, in a lot of the debate about redistricting, that's what tends to happen. And I'm not a fan. Anyway, um, this year, New York Times says, Texas, with potentially three new seats, Florida, with two new seats, are expected to be the biggest winners. Biggest losers, Illinois, New York, and California, which will each lose seats once the Census Bureau makes the reapportionment figures official. That could give Republicans an inherent advantage in the midterm elections in November 2022. 
regardless of whether or not Joe Biden or Kamala Harris is popular (laughs) at that point. The Bureau, Census Bureau, is actually running behind on this. They were supposed to have this data out, I want to say it was like in April or something, but now they're saying it's going to be into July. um, And that is going to be tricky because you've got primaries and you've got um, right. So you're going to have primaries that are going to be going on, but also legal challenges now get onto a compressed timeline because by the time it takes, you know, Census Bureau to compile the data, put it out, and then the lines to start getting redrawn and then the lawsuits to come, you have a much shorter window in which to operate. Uh, the Bureau is not expected to deliver this data until late July. The New York Times says Democrats have been fighting on slanted terrain with redistricting ever since Republicans ran the table during the 2010 midterm elections and drew themselves favorable gerrymandered maps in 2011 and 2012, though courts invalidated them in states like Pennsylvania and North Carolina. A lot of these maps still remain. Uh, Republicans have, for the most part, adopted an elections have consequences attitude towards the mapping process. In other words, the attitude that the Democrats had adopted for for all the decades that they were in charge of the map making process. Uh, As they look to reframe the electoral maps, Republicans are debating how aggressive they should be. They could push the boundaries and try to win as many seats as possible in 2022. But here's the trade off. It puts you at risk of losing those seats in the future years, right? Because if you get real aggressive and draw these things so you can get a little bit of an advantage, a small population shift or uh, a small shift in popular opinion could make that seat way less likely for you to hold in another election cycle. Right. So that so that's that's the challenge. If you go real aggressive and try to get as many seats as possible or you could aim for a smaller number of Republican districts that can create a more durable majority with the potential to last the entire decade. Right. So if you if you don't go and push the boundaries and make all of these districts like just slightly leaning Republican and then make them more vulnerable later, you could make them a little bit more certain to be Republican, not get as many of them. But then you also get somebody in there. You get a candidate in there that may have staying power, that may have durability, right? Democrats are going to draw lines for far fewer congressional uh, seats. The two biggest uh, or the biggest Democratic state, California, uh, outsources its redistricting to a commission. Although we all know how that turns out, (laughs) you end up because the jungle primary, the redistricting committee and the way the Democratic organizations, these, quote, grassroots organizations have put their thumbs on the scale for uh, the last 20 years. um, Right. You end up with like, what, two Republicans? It's not two. It's a little bit more than that. But it's like four. But like there are very few Republicans elected in California because of this ridiculous process. Uh, But so. Uh, So you got that, the Independent Redistricting Commission. You also have this in Colorado, Virginia and Washington. Republicans are preparing to challenge Democratic maps that get drawn in states like Illinois and Maryland and New Mexico. In New York, get this, I'm going to be watching this one. Democrats control redistricting up there for the very first time since 1991. Okay, so it's been a while. It's been 30 years. Half of the Republican congressional delegation could now lose their seats. So like seven or eight members, I guess there's like 16 of them. They could half of the GOP can be blown out just by the redistricting depending on the outcome of one undecided race, uh, they could see their districts disappear if Democrats pursue the most aggressive gerrymandering available. 
And here's the quote from Representative Sean Patrick Maloney of New York, the chairman of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the DCCC. He said, quote, it's reasonable to expect that when the voters of New York have given Democrats a supermajority control of both houses of the legislature, that might create an opportunity that didn't exist in the past. Oh, it's an opportunity. See, so when Democrats see... Uh, the ability or see the opportunity to gerrymander, it's just seizing an opportunity. When Republicans gerrymander, it's the end of democracy as we know it. <laughs> so, uh, a host of states have adopted independent commissions to draw maps, arguing that people without a vested interest would be more likely to draw fairer maps. Some good government groups and political scientists have lobbied for more changes, like the use of algorithms to determine district boundaries. However, there is broad debate about what would be effective in erasing the partisan tilt of the process. I am of the opinion that you can never eliminate the, the partisan nature, the political nature of uh, redistricting, because that is its very nature. That's the very point of it. So you can never eliminate it. I think it's a fool's errand to try to eliminate uh, politics and partisanship out of the process because it is inherent in the process. Uh, we'll talk with Andy Jackson from the John Locke Foundation about work that he has done on this and research he has uh, done on this first. Uh, if you are researching a place to get, say, warm weather gear for your hunting or camping or fishing trip, then uh, research no more. Just go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde on Main Street. He's been there for three decades. Uh, Old Grouch's Military Surplus has what you need for uh, your kits for hiking and camping and fishing. They got uh, gear to help a beginner out. If this is the, you don't know what to get, he can help guide you through that. Um, he's got MREs as well. So if you are looking to build up your prep supplies or uh, how about a first aid kit? You need one of those for the trail. If you're a hiker or a camper, you need a first aid kit. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Go check them out. At the shop Monday through Saturday, it's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun in downtown Clyde on Main Street or 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. So Andy Jackson is the director of the Civitas Center for Public Integrity at the John Locke Foundation. The two organizations merged. And um, last year, I guess it was, yeah, last year he wrote a piece titled On Redistricting Reform, Who is Less Important Than What? And with the new legislative session underway and redistricting now on the agenda, it's a good time to revisit this topic because you're going to hear a lot of Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, advancing a narrative rooted in an implicit premise that the only fair maps are ones drawn to benefit Democrats. So, Andy Jackson, you say North Carolina can have a better redistricting process. The first step towards that goal, though, is making sure that we're answering the right question. You're right. So I'll start at the end here. What is the right question to be asking? Uh, the right question to be asking is what are the rules that we're going to be using when we create districts? Um, I, I think, and I've written about this, most of the pieces that we need to have uh, fair redistricting, uh, no gerrymandering, whatever label you want to put on it, uh, we already have in place. Uh, and we just need a couple of more things, really one major thing, and we could do everything we need to have done uh, in order to have redistricting that won't even approach what we consider to be gerrymandering. You write in this piece that we do not need 
a commission, which I think is blasphemy uh, whenever this topic is discussed, right? I, like, I, I'm pretty sure this is going to get you excommunicated if you simply say, we don't need a commission, because the thought is, it seems, that uh, in order to have, quote, fair maps and, and fair redistricting and all of that, we need to have a nonpartisan commission that steps into the role and draws the maps for us. But you say no. Why not? Well, well, there's a couple of issues with that. I mean, one is uh, the first question is what kind of people do you think are going to be staffing this commission? Uh, they're either going to be people that are very interested in politics and generally speaking, people that get to that point are also partisans, or you're going to have people who are essentially naive about politics or the political process. And that's going to uh, set them up for uh, potential manipulation by staff members, by uh, NGOs and other interested parties as they go through uh, the process of redistricting. And so ha either one of those uh, scenarios isn't really any better unless you have good rules in place to guide their conduct. Right. It's one of the things that's always amazed me in this debate is uh, the demand for an independent redistricting commission uh, a body made up of people that are appointed by politicians and this idea that somehow or another a commission that's appointed by politicians to draw political lines for redistricting purposes, which is one of the most mundane. <laughs> I know you say it's glamorous, but the people that you would have to find that would be interested in doing this work. I don't know who else would be interested in it except for people who pay a lot of attention to politics and recognize how important the district lines are like who is this who is this universe of people this population set that's like oh i would really love to draw some some maps um but i don't have any interest in the purpose for the maps i i i don't know who these people would be um i don't think they exist yeah, it, they would certainly, at a minimum, be few and far between. I mean, personally, I would love to serve on a redistricting commission. Uh, that would be a whole lot of fun. I would, I would enjoy it. I would like buy hot dogs and go and <laughs> enjoy the spectacle of it all. Uh, you know, sit around everybody, sit around the computers of everybody listening to you know folks calling in or, or speaking in the microphone, uh, complaining about this and that in the districts. For me, that would be great. But I recognize that I am really, really weird. <laughs> um, and so, you know, most normal people uh, don't find this interesting. And so it's, it's almost like a, a precondition for being uh, on a redistricting commission is you have to be really, really interested uh, in politics. Or else, if you, if you do and you're desperately hunt, I'm sure you could dig some folks up uh, who really know nothing about politics, but they just want to be good servants. Uh, it's that's possible but once again those folks would not have a kind of background or basis in politics that would allow them to really understand what they're doing right uh and so uh you know when you talk about i mean all the stuff that goes into redistricting you know in north carolina especially respecting county lines communities of interest you know how, are you going to be compact or are you going to try to keep you know county groupings together for example all of that requires a lot of political knowledge and know-how and that's something that not everybody has right it's um one of these things that was highlighted in the ProPublica or publica i don't know how you pronounce it i mm -hmm. i say publica but uh pro did a, a massive uh 
expose really on the California redistricting process uh, and and how it was essentially corrupted by uh, Democratic activists who uh, manipulated the process because the people that got put in charge of making these types of decisions on the commission they were not allowed to have I think the rules were you couldn't have any political experience you could not have worked for a political campaign you couldn't have like even donated money to any kind of political campaign and so what ended up happening was uh, people who had no idea that they were getting rolled were getting rolled by these politically savvy uh, activists and uh, that became a problem because they ended up drawing maps that were terrible well for republicans they were great for democrats <laughs> they they worked out great for the democratic party in california and so yeah i'm not sure that's the best model to be employing but nobody wants nobody wants some you know political campaign manager uh to be drawing the district lines uh because obviously he won't draw them fairly so yeah you're trying to find this sweet spot of people to pack on a commission to do the work and i guess you're saying just don't even bother with this idea of a commission uh appointed by these people we don't need one so what would you do instead well what i've just said i will say that i am not if somebody came up with a redistricting commission proposal, I'm not necessarily uh, in total opposition to it. Uh, as long as folks that are drawn this recognize that you actually, uh, instead of pretending that you're going to have nonpartisanship, just know that we need to have some sort of balance. Uh, some in North Carolina, we still have democratic accountability, uh, for example, because you know when Republicans won in 2010, they did it in Democratic-drawn districts. I mean, there, the way we have things in North Carolina already, there are limits to how much you can gerrymander. Uh, so I think having said that, really, the only thing you really need to add to the pool of things we already have is simply not allowing whoever draws the map, be the legislators or, or people on a commission, not allow them to use partisan data, things like voter registration, voting patterns, uh, and other kind of deep data things like subscriptions to gun magazines, for example, or other things that might mark people as being in a particular political inclination. Uh, that would, that's really the final piece of the puzzle. We've already got so many of the things in place already. And if you did that, that would eliminate a lot of the kind of fine tuning that folks are doing when they draw districts. Uh, no matter who draws them, you're still going to have big picture stuff. Like if you're drawing districts in Buncombe County, for example, you know you're going to get a concentration of Democrats in Asheville. Uh, really? And so folks will know that. Oh, yeah, I, I know it's shocking. <laughs> I mean, it's really interesting what the, what happened in Buncombe County with the yeah. state house districts last time around. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, oh, yes, we can talk about that. Let's, let's get into that story. First, let me get into this, uh, some CBD products. Actually, I already do. I take some CBD products. I take CBD oil every night before I go to bed. But maybe you don't want to take the oil. Maybe you just want, I don't know, like a, a salve, a topical to rub on, uh, you know, maybe some arthritic knuckles or something like that, or hips or backs or hands. Well, you're in luck because Grower's Hemp has the bomb. It is the bomb. It's the B-A-L-M, the bomb. It's a topical. Anyway, you can actually get one for free by using the buy one, get one discount code love at growershemp.com. These are North Carolina farmers. They control the entire process from the seed all the way to the shelf. 
Okay, Growers Hemp. It means, you, by the way, you get better quality at a lower price. Growershemp.com, full-spectrum hemp extract. Add it to your daily routine. Uh, people have been using this. I've got uh, testimonials from listeners of the program that uh, you know have used the topicals. For example, Kim says, the balm is amazing. I burnt myself on a hot glue gun the other day, and I didn't have my lavender oil with me, so I put some of the balm on the burn, and she says it's the fastest healing burn that I've ever had. The blister dried up and is practically unnoticeable in less than 24 hours. Now, I have to give you the GovCo disclaimer here. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. So consult your healthcare professional uh, about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product, okay? But if you want to try the bomb, go to growershemp.com, type in the promo code LOVE, and you'll get one when you buy one. See the website for details, growershemp.com, growershemp. It's about the hemp and not the hype. So Andy Jackson uh, is the director of the Civitas Center for Public Integrity at the John Locke Foundation. Uh, He recently wrote a piece called On Redistricting Reform, Who is Less Important Than What? And uh, all right, so the redistricting that occurred in Buncombe County, the original legislation drafted by State Representative Tim Moffat uh, basically turned uh, the county commission into three districts, two representatives from each district, and those districts for the county commission were the exact same as House Districts uh, 114, 115, and 116. And so when the redistricting lawsuits came down against the Republicans and they had to redraw these districts, they ended up redrawing the state House Districts and, you know, ipso facto, the also, also the county commission districts. And now there's not going to be a Republican on that county commission, which is like, to me, it's so funny to see everybody demanding, quote, fair maps, yet at the end of the day, now we're going to have zero Republican representation in Buncombe County. And that's not uh, that's not a reflection of the voter registration data. It's not a reflection of voting habits in the county at large. Um, yeah, so it's it was a complete I guess they're going to try maybe go back and try to break that uh, uh, that linkage of the of the county uh, commission districts from the state house districts, mm-hmm. I assume. But then, I mean, what do you replace it with? Right. I mean, and the thing is, though, and and this is a real, you know, they've got these two terms in redistricting, packing and cracking. Packing, you're putting everybody in together. Cracking, you're splitting them apart when you're drawing the districts in order to have an advantage. And the Buncombe County example is a pretty good one of if you're not packing, you're cracking. Mm -hmm. Uh, In this case, you know, they they had a very safe district for Democrats in Asheville and then two competitive districts that were out in the suburbs and the more rural parts of the county. And then with redistricting, and they just so happen to have all three Democrats in the county after the 2018 election. So when they were doing this, the, uh, uh, the folks in charge in the North Carolina House were deferring to the local membership. So those three members split up. So they all three now have safe districts. Um, now, would a commission draw anything any differently? We, we don't know that. Uh, but depending on the composition and depending on you know what people tell them, because folks in Asheville have been complaining about how Asheville had been split uh, <laughs> between two congressional districts. Yes. But I have a sneaky suspicion that nobody uh, in power there are complaining about being split between three House districts. 
No, uh, it's funny how that works. It is. Um, a, it's a really amazing uh, twist of fate there. Yeah. the They have a problem with the congressional districts, which they also labor under this delusion. I think that uh, they think that simply if you just put Asheville and Buncombe into one congressional district, that they'll somehow be able to swing the entire general election to a Democrat and oust a Republican from that seat. It's still a Republican voting district, even with Buncombe County in it. You know, um, they tried at one point, there was one map I saw when they were doing the redistricting process uh, in the General Assembly. They tried to actually include uh, to go all the way up to what? App Wisconsin. State. Yeah. To yeah. go all the way to, to snake the district all the way up to App State in order to get those college kids in so they could so they could control the district, the congressional district. So, again, you know, what's gerrymandering? It's always in the eye of the beholder. And like you said, if you're not packing, you're cracking. It seems like you can't win either way if you are Republican map makers. Right. And in any case, you know, and, and like I've played with my my play maps, which you can do. Uh, there's this great site called Dave's Redistricting where you can make your own congressional maps or state legislative maps. I highly recommend it. So that's but what you're I'm doing, doing with all of your time on the self-isolation. You're you're drawing <laughs> Just drawing maps, congressional district maps. and I am one of those people that do that for fun, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put that on my resume if we ever do have a commission. Um, but I know I know that if you're trying to make a, an 11th district more competitive for Democrats, you would try to link up uh, uh, Watauga with Buncombe County uh, in some way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people that are knowledgeable, the state in general are going to do that. It, but when you get rid of the data, you get rid of some of the fine tuning. And that's really, uh, something that affects districts more in your larger urban areas. Uh, say your Mecklenburgs or, or your Guilfords or your Forsyths, where you have multiple districts, uh, a bunch of districts in the same County, uh, because then, you know, they can go precinct by precinct. If you go ahead and remove the ability to use uh, uh, political data, then yes, everybody's going to work for the best advantage to their side, uh, no matter how you do the redistricting process. But if you get rid of that tool, it makes that uh, a less precise instrument. And uh, you'll in all likelihood get more competitive districts that way, no matter who's drawing them. So, all right. So the idea here, and this is... Well, your idea is to is to remove the partisan data um, and then it makes it less specific, which then in turn makes it more likely that uh, a district can be uh, drawn in such a way as to ensure an outcome every single time. Right. I mean, that's the gist of this. Well, you wouldn't. Yeah. Well, yeah, you'd be less able to to go ahead and say we know that this is going to be a safe district for this party because. Part of it is when folks are drawing these districts, the, the data allows you to cut things really close, as close as you can. Say you figured out, okay, we need to have like a 58% advantage in this district in order to win. Then you can use that data to kind of cut as many of those 58% districts. Uh, but without the data, you're going to end up being less precise. And I think that's going to make it uh, a little harder for people to try to make those really, really uh, large groups of just big enough districts for your size, mm-hmm. uh, for your side. And, and that, and like I said, we're, we're, we've already got a lot of other things already in place uh, as far as like, uh, not splitting up counties, uh, unless, you know, except for, uh, having, e- you know, equal population per district. 
we have uh, you know, other rules in place with the Voting Rights Act. So we've got those. And taking out the partisan, the political data would be that last step that I think would be uh, what we need to go ahead and get things done. The good news is we had six bills that were put up in the General Assembly last year. Mm -hmm. All six of them had rules about uh, uh, excluding uh, political data. And so this is a kind of a general consensus thing. And one of those bills, uh, H140 last year, will have a different name number if it comes up, has that same stuff, but without a commission, at least without a commission that draws the districts. And so, you know, it's a, it's a widely recognized reform that we should have. And I think if we get hung up over, you know, trying to get a commission, it'll make it less likely that we'll pass the kind of reform that we need to reform. And so just focusing on that one question that almost everybody seems to agree on, if we focus on that, get a nice tight bill passed, and then we can have the kind of redistricting reform that we need in North Carolina. But the politicians who uh, control the process, and if there's no commission, they would be the ones drawing the lines as well. Uh, they, they know what areas that they need and want, right, in their districts. Oh, they, they, they would know this. And so they're going to be talking with each other about, you know, what's the preferred district and they, they've got people that are going to be doing you know their own play maps basically and letting mm -hmm. them know hey we want to cut this area hey we want to cut uh, or include this other area so um just because it won't be part of the formal process doesn't mean that they're not aware of this information so how do you restrict that how do you blind well, them to it well you're not going to and i mean in the strictest sense you're not going to um because every as we saw in this last process here, uh, once again, going back to the Buncombe County example, uh, you know, they had pretty good idea that they wanted to split up Asheville. And so, you know, we've been drawing districts with this kind of, of element of people trying to get the most advantage for themselves pretty much since the beginning of, of the Republic. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that if we, and, and I think that the process laid out after the last court order is kind of a beginning uh, for this is if you have the machines and your opera and the computers and they're operating, you know, in the public place in the committee room, and you've got members of both parties, basically, you know, uh, haggling right. and arguing, uh, you know, that, and you have it open to the public, which is, uh, which was, I think a lot of people actually kind of enjoyed having that. I'm sure there were some members of the General Assembly who wished they didn't have to, but uh, <laughs> but that seemed to have been less of a problem than than folks might have thought of for the members. And so, you know, getting those things in, uh, you're, you're not going to solve every problem. And I don't think you'll solve every problem with commission. I think we've seen that example yeah. uh, in other states as well. So if you're if your goal is to have a perfectly, you know, non political uh, district drawing process, uh, as long as human beings are involved, and I'm not advocating turning this over to a computer, mm -hmm. but as long as you're having human beings involved, you're not going to completely eliminate this. And I think complete elimination um, is probably trying to make the perfect the enemy of the good. Uh, but, you know, at least getting to the point where these folks are having to, in a public way, uh, argue, cajole, and do it with at least not being able to have that data on the computers that are actually drawing the maps 
is a step in the right direction. You mentioned a couple times that there are other criteria, um, and so we should kind of hit those. And you outline this at the piece, uh, or in the piece at nccivitas.org. Um, the North Carolina Constitution uh, requires that when you're drawing these districts that uh, they have to be equal population-wise. As you mentioned earlier, they have to uh, divide as few counties as possible. Um, Democrats actually lost a bunch of cases 20 years ago because they just they could not stop dividing counties. Uh, some of the maps they did were pretty comical on that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, contiguous. They have to be contiguous. So, um, so uh, what does that mean? They have to be contiguous, including bodies of water. They have to touch each other. So and the bodies of water is important for our brothers and sisters out on the coast, like in Dare County, in the Outer Banks. Um, so it counts that you're touching the mainland mm. uh, if you can touch them through water. And, and and I don't think there's been a court case that says you can run a district up a river. Uh, <laughs> so I think it means you have to, like, cross the river directly to, right. to uh, count as being connected. Um, which I think that was the uh, the infamous 12th district that was this uh, <laughs> subject of so much litigation where I think at one point was literally as wide as I-85 and it connected parts of Charlotte to Greensboro, um, just up the I-85 corridor. Um, and then uh, what also the, the state constitution says that the districts can only be drawn once every 10 years, which that mm-hmm. limits the ability of lawmakers to go in and keep, you know, messing around with the uh, with the district lines every year whenever they need uh, to adjust for population shifts. And that's one of the things that I always try to argue with people like you every time you sue and even when you win, um, that you're giving these lawmakers another chance to come back and draw lines that now take the latest population numbers into account. And so you're giving them another chance to keep drawing these districts and it, it's it's self-defeating to some extent because a decade goes by and there have been massive changes in North Carolina's population in, in where we live, uh, in the demographics. So th- I think that's one of the reasons why Republicans were able to do so well in 2010. Uh, they took advantage. It was the end of that census cycle. And North Carolina looked a lot different in 2010 and Republicans used it to their advantage, I think. Hmm. Yeah. And the... Uh... The other thing with this, uh, and I should mention, you know, uh, the North Carolina Constitution lays out the rules, but it also specifically lays out that the districts are drawn by the members of the North Carolina House and the North Carolina Senate. Hmm. Uh, And this is another barrier uh, to folks that want a commission. You cannot get a commission unless you can get a supermajority of both the House and the Senate to agree to that. some measures such as uh, making them exclude data, you can pass with you know, simple majority votes uh, in, in both chambers. So that would be an easier process. You don't need really large majorities to do that. Um, and so if there is momentum for a change, uh, you know, any, and if you did have a commission uh, without a constitutional amendment, they still would not be able to do the, give the final word. They could only make the recommendation. Uh, and so I think it's really important that folks know that if, if you're wanting to create something that's more of a realistic reform, just going for this simple change in the rules uh, is probably, aside from being a better idea, it's also much more doable than creating a, a redistricting commission that will do all the drawing itself without involvement of the General Assembly. 
Andy Jackson, the director of the Civitas Center for Public Integrity at the John Locke Foundation. And again, that piece is titled On Redistricting Reform, Who is Less Important Than What? Um, Just like when you're buying or selling a a home, actually. Yeah. Who is more important than what? Who do you have helping you to buy or sell your house? I would recommend who we are using Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. The website is mountainhomehunt.com. Christy and I said, you know what? Um, we we are looking to build, uh, to build a house because we could not find a house in our price range that did not require a ton of work. So we said, why don't we try to find one that's uh, that we can build? And Rowena actually walked us through all of the things to keep in mind as we're trying to build, uh, whether it's spec built. And we were like, okay, this doesn't seem like it's going to work. We were working with her financial guy and uh, there were all these products, these different types of mortgages. And finally, we found and settled on a build to suit, which is in a neighborhood. And the developer, you know, is putting up a bunch of these homes and you get to make some decisions, but not all decisions. So you do have some input. And that has served us very well. And Rowena and her team, they knew questions to ask that we did not even know we didn't know. So um, call Rowena Patton if you're trying to buy a home. If you're thinking about selling, she outsells 99% of the realtors in the state. So she's going to get your house sold fast and for more money. She has buyers already lined up. So give her a call at 333-4483. That's 828-333-4483. Mountainhomehunt.com again is the website, mountainhomehunt.com. Give her a call and then start Hacking. So if all of these uh, redistricting efforts, if they end up resulting in litigation, which I'm going to go out on a limb right now, it's a big prediction, I'm going to say yes, there will be lawsuits. And so uh, don't worry, right? Because it's going to go to the Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah, well, Democrats might actually be working to rig that outcome. And I I do recognize using the term rig uh, could get me deplatformed, but I do believe that this is Uh, an accurate term for what is in store here. Court packing, which means adding seats to a court. It doesn't mean filling vacancies, which apparently a lot of people on the left were not aware of what the term court packing meant. But court packing means you've got nine seats on the Supreme Court, and let's expand the number of seats and pack it with our people. That's court packing. Packing is not simply saying, oh, there are nine seats on the court and, you know, Justice Scalia died or Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And so we get to fill that seat. That's not packing. That's not packing. That's not court packing. Um, Even though I know that the Webster's Dictionary, uh, they've now on their website, they've now uh, uh, changed the meaning of the word of that term in order to placate Democrats, in order to make it more aligned with their political narrative. Yeah, it's truly Orwellian. Anyway, the Biden administration is assembling a bipartisan commission to consider expanding the U.S. Supreme Court. This is an idea that Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer called, quote, the big one. Several leading lawyers and former Justice Department officials have apparently been recruited for the panel, which is expected to have between nine and 15 members, according to an article in Politico. Schumer went on to the Rachel Maddow show on MSNBC last month, and he said uh, the Democrats are planning to increase the number of federal lower court judges. So this is like the courts of appeals and such uh, and district courts that they're going to expand uh, the number of seats on the federal benches all around the country to try to offset 
all of the vacancies that got filled by Trump and Mitch McConnell, like 200 plus judges that were successfully nominated by Trump. Again, that's not packing. Now, you could call it, I don't know, let's you can call it stacking. How about that? You want to call that stacking where you have a judicial vacancy and you run a nomination through the normal process. It gets approved. That person now gets onto the bench. And when you have a lot of them, then you could call that stacking. Now, I don't really know how many you would need to hit the standard of stacking. Like, is it 100? Is it 50? I don't know. But Republicans were very adept at getting nominees through and onto these federal benches, and Democrats were not very adept at preventing it. Well, specifically Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer was not adept at preventing it. So now they're going to expand the number of seats, uh, and they're going to use this commission. Uh, Biden pledged to create this thing last year during his campaign. And he says that there's going to be a mandate, according to the Politico piece, there's going to be a mandate to issue a report within 180 days. At the time, during the campaign, Biden said that the Supreme Court was, quote, getting out of whack, but also said that he was not a fan of court packing because Biden was using the historical uh, understood meaning of the term, where you know, FDR tried to pack the Supreme Court by adding more seats so he could put his allies onto the Supreme Court so they would rule the way he wanted them to rule on the power of the federal government to create all sorts of programs like Social Security, right? This is what it was originally fought over. FDR wanted to implement socialistic policies and the Supreme Court said, you can't do that. So FDR said, well, screw you. I'm going to add a whole bunch of more seats, put my people in there and they're going to say, I can. And so the Supreme Court said, okay, okay, don't do that. We'll agree. And they caved and they ruled in FDR's favor, right? That's how the Supreme, that's how we ended up with these programs. And it's why the term court packing exists. So Biden, Biden said he's not a fan of this idea, but we'll have a commission to take a look at it. In addition to the Supreme Court, the commission's also going to consider reforms, quote unquote reforms, to lower level federal courts, including the judiciary. Federal judges now receive lifetime appointments, but Biden's campaign lawyer, Bob Bauer, who is slated to co-chair this commission and is helping select its members, he is a proponent of limiting their terms. So be on the lookout for that as well. That is a wrap for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I do appreciate it. Remember, subscribe, give it a positive review, and think about becoming a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. And thanks again for your support. Thanks for listening. And uh, don't break anything while I'm gone. 